As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live audio to podcasting in 2017, debunking a few microphone myths. Well, welcome to Speaker Live Show episode 95 for December 29th, 2016. This is the last episode of 2016, and my name is Rob Greenlee, and I'm the head of content at Speaker and Adore FM. Thanks for downloading us and clicking play to hear us today. Happy New Year. It's been an interesting 2016, and uh, podcasting, I don't believe, in the next year is going to disappoint. I think it's going to be an interesting year. But my year-end topic this week is live audio to podcasting in 2017. It seems like a hot topic. And our tip of the week is debunking some microphone myths that are out there and talking about some key things with the distinction between dynamic microphones and condensers is really kind of the, the core topic of this, but just talking generally about microphones to help you better un understand what kind of microphone that you might want to have for your podcast. I'm joined by Ray Ortega, who's joining me as, a, as my co-host this week because Alex is off with his family for the holidays, and Ray is the host of the Podcasters Roundtable, which is a terrific podcast that he does, I believe, pretty much every other Friday. Is that right, Ray? Fortnightly, that's correct. Every other Thursday right now. Thursday. And he also hosts on occasion. Are you regularly producing your podcasters studio? Podcast? Regular is a subjective term, I guess. Regular I guess. is a subjective term. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm, hitting, I'm hitting episode 100, and the goal is to get that out before the new year. It's such a massive episode. But yes, and 2017, definitely one of the goals is to get it back on track. I got you. Well, Ray, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy workday to, to join us today. No, my pleasure. I'm always flattered to be asked. And while I do podcasting for my day job, it's not my podcast. It is my day job. It's, it's, I think I'm allowed to take a break to talk more podcasting. <laughs> I think so. I mean, so maybe to be a little bit more clear, I know you occasionally talk about your professional podcasting stuff outside of the Podcasters Roundtable, but you're involved a lot with, with video too. But are you also doing mostly audio? Yeah, mostly audio. So I work for a nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C., and we're a, we have a whole science network of programming. And most of our shows are audio. We have a video podcast as well. Then of course we have a YouTube channel, pro, YouTube channel. So it's pretty much anything audio and video, and a lot of our content. It really started as a as podcast content, but we are, you know, you know how this goes. We're going to talk about Facebook Live, so we go wherever the where the eyes and ears are. Yes, that's right, and it's always moving. It seems like, yeah. But the <laughs> podcast sure. is always stable. And do you know what? To be honest, I just looked recently. I was doing some stats breakdown uh, for my manager, and I saw that. Our video channel, our video podcast channel, still does really well. The reach is better than YouTube, at least for us. So I tweeted out, video podcasting is not dead. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I, I love to hear that, actually. I've been a big, big fan of video podcasts for, well, since the medium started. And it's been really disappointing to me to see it uh, kind of decline. Um, yeah, that was my entry into podcasting. Has. Yeah, and I think it actually has declined, I mean, over the years. I mean, I remember the, the earlier days. I mean, just go into the, the iTunes store. There's a completely separate tab in there to get to video podcasts. Uh, and there's still a bunch of content over there. And it's not as much as there used to be over there, though. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of disappointing on that side. I used to watch a lot more video podcasts than I do today. Me too. I mean, I think cost is part of the issue. It's hard to host a video podcast. They're, yeah, hard, they're large files. It's difficult. Well, yeah, it takes takes a lot of bandwidth. 
Yes. That is for sure. But I would love to see it come back more here in the future. But there just seems like a lot of kind of pressure around RSS and hosting costs that are keeping it from, from taking off. And then, of course, then there's there's YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I think – and I think that's yeah. who would have to help us out. I think YouTube would have to give us access to the MP4 file we could put in a feed. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we stream this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And uh, like, like you can see, I'm up to 95 episodes. So we've covered a lot of topics around podcasting and what's happening around it from an events perspective. I've done a lot of a lot of episodes from podcasting events around the country. So definitely go back and check out our archives. There's a lot of great content back there that you can uh, listen to in your spare time. So if you want to binge on the Speaker Live show, I want to I want to open the doors. Well, well Ray, let's dive into our main topic of the show this week, which is uh, live audio to podcasting in 2017. Do we think uh, that uh, we're seeing the very beginnings of a of an increasing trend around live with audio, do you think? It feels like 2016 is, was the year of live, right? I mean, everyone got in, even Facebook, live video was really big, Periscope, Meerkat. Yep. I mean, we have Instagram now just opened up live, which is also Facebook, but uh, the year of live was definitely 2016. It's going to grow in 2017. The question is, who will survive 2017, I think? <laughs> what do you mean by who will survive? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of platforms launch. I mean, Meerkat came oh, and is gone. I see what you're right? saying. As far as platforms actually yeah, survive right. because of the um, onslaught of Facebook into this space. Okay. Yeah. I, honestly, I tweeted out when I saw this live audio to podcasting or live audio on Facebook, I kind of tweeted out that it was DOA and it was dead on arrival. I mean, Facebook, I think it'll do just fine, but will it do well enough for Facebook standards, right? Success on a level of Facebook is much different than sustainable for your average platform. I mean, certainly I believe that video is probably going to be the more popular live channel for them, I would think. Sure. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, audio audio on Facebook is really tough. I mean, live is one thing. You can build – if you build on that platform, just like Spreaker, people know where to show up at a certain time. You can build it anywhere you want and be successful, and success in live is really typically small numbers. It doesn't mean yeah. that's bad. It's just much different. And you know, I think that retaining someone's attention on Facebook with audio only is very tough because – even if, you know, I kind of call it drive-by listening, it doesn't really – people aren't set up for that on Facebook. You're not willing to suddenly stop and listen to something for five or ten minutes or half an hour. But even if you are, as you scroll, oh, wait, cat video. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very easily to be distracted. I don't see good numbers when it comes to audio on Facebook. And I think live is a little different, but I just don't see good numbers there. Well, I have seen on Spreaker the the listening duration for listeners that listen to live is slightly longer than those that listen to on demand. Yeah, and that's uh, really interesting. But I think I think when you come to Spreaker, you're you're coming there for that. You know what yeah. you're you're coming for, yeah. right? I mean, it's not a big difference. I mean, you're talking about two minute difference between um, on demand right. and and live from a right. average listening session. So it's not like a huge difference, but it is interesting that it is different. And I'm not sure why. I, I mean, I think that there's maybe um, this kind of psychological factor that comes into play that that, that people think that if they don't listen, they're going to miss something. <clears throat> um, and they, maybe they don't think that, that they're going to come back and listen to the on-demand piece, so maybe they stick around a little longer. Right. There's some psychological factors that are going on here, too. And I think the Facebook um, Audio Live, I think Facebook is, has realized that there is a challenge around how people consume the content on their, their walls, right? People tend to scroll through a list of content pretty quickly and scan it and look for it. And I think what they've chosen to do is I think they've basically enabled the ability to listen to the live audio while you're looking at other posts sure. your, on your wall. But the question gets back to a lot of those posts are now videos. So, and right. a lot of those videos will have audio. Yeah. Um, you're going, you're going to click and it's going to have all the audio come in and it's going to stop 
that audio in the background. So again, I just don't think it sets itself up for, yeah, uh, you know, a really settling into live audio. And you know, the funny part is, and someone tweeted about this as well, is that people don't even listen to audio on videos anymore. <laughs> it's big on Facebook to just read because those videos do really well, where people will watch a video, read the subtitles, and never even activate the audio. So, yeah, audio is interesting on that platform. And I think, I mean, I think you also have to factor in the aspect of the fascination of live on, on the content creator side or just people in general creating the content. I mean, a lot of these platforms like this are more about the creators than they are about the listeners anyway or the viewers. It's basically giving millions of people an easy tool to, to use for them to voice what they want to voice, right? I mean, I've always said that podcasting to some degree is is more about the creator than it is about the listener. <laughs> That's more from a kind of a vanity perspective. It's like lots of people, if you think about it, people like to share their knowledge. I mean, I've always done this in personal social situations too, is that people like to talk about themselves and kind of empowering people to share their thoughts is as powerful as trying to think of it from a listener perspective. So if, if Facebook can get more creators and they can get listeners, that's not necessarily a bad thing for Facebook. Yeah, but we did, we, we kind of saw this already. We saw it come and go again, that sort of the, the death in 2016 blab, right? I mean, blab creators loved it, but people yep. just didn't come to listen to shows at the number that blab needed them to. Yeah, that's right. And, and it was also blab didn't really focus on um, trying to monetize even, even the people that did come. <laughs> so yeah. They, yeah. They were thinking that they were going to build this huge scale and that somehow the money was going to come raining down on them even though they didn't have to do anything to earn it. Um, right. That happens with a lot of technology startup companies where they, they just think if they make a cool widget um, that somehow that the money trees will shake over them and, and it's just build it, Build out. it and they will come, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, there are some podcasting platforms that are out there, um, like like Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, that combine live um, audio streaming with recording to MP3 files. So I think that's another aspect that Facebook is kind of missing out on is is this ability to record live, but then be able to create a podcast out of that. So what Facebook is creating is this situation where you have to record separately because Facebook is not going to generate an MP3 file for you. Um, so it does create a little bit of a technical challenge for content creators to go from Facebook Live to becoming a podcaster. Yeah, I know. And I guess that would be my question to you. I mean, Mixler has always been my go-to for live audio only. They've, they've done it best. And then Spreaker came along and this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you. Really only two that I consider viable. I don't dig into it too much because I don't do a lot of live audio only. I use Google Hangouts for the roundtable to be live and it works great. But for you guys, what was this announcement like? I mean, if hearing that Facebook is now getting into live audio, it's kind of like when Google says we want to take over you know, we're going to build these widgets and then another third party company already builds them. And it's kind of like an, uh oh, right. 
the initial reaction is like, uh, okay, wow, shock, um, competitor, new competitor, big new competitor. But yeah. when you really back up and you think about it, it's it's not really as much of a competitor as you would think because we're catering to uh, podcasters that want to create live shows. Facebook is trying to create people to just create live shows. Yeah. And so it's not as direct a competitor as you would think. In some ways, it may be helpful to us because it may may expose people, more people to creating live audio and then realizing that I want to make that a podcast. So right. They need a, a more dynamic platform like Spreaker. I mean, assuming yeah. that Facebook doesn't follow suit and develop the same type of tools that Spreaker does, I don't really think. If Facebook, it feels like everyone's getting in the live because everyone else is getting in the live. Yeah. And we've seen Facebook do things with audio before, even just the audio players that they've enabled in the past. You know, it's been a long, a long bunch of years of me saying, hey, this is how you get your audio to play natively on Facebook and then saying, oh, they took that away. So... Yeah. I don't know how invested Facebook is in audio. I don't know either. I mean, I, this could be just a big experiment for them to, just to see where it goes. I think they're getting caught up in the um, the renaissance hype of what's happening in the podcasting space, and they wanted to take a chunk out of it, kind of like what Google and Spotify and the other large companies have kind of looked at this medium and said, well, what, what can we do to jump on the bandwagon, right? Yeah. It yeah, feels I like think, they had. Yeah. It feels like they had to. I mean, the thing is, what's interesting is that they went live audio only because that's not really a thing so much, right? I mean, everyone's getting the live video. Makes yeah. you wonder why Facebook wanted to do live audio only as well. You know, are they catering to? You know, I'm wondering if they're thinking less about podcasters and online, you know, content creators than they are like radios, radio stations, or broadcast. Well, I know that the the radio folks really really jumped on this, um, and and were really trying to make it the, their own. What was happening here it was almost like is Facebook Live now the the new radio? So I saw a lot of that happening as well on the on the radio side. You know, like the online radio folks are like saying, "Oh yeah, Facebook is going to now try and compete with with radio." I'm not sure that the radio folks really get it. That I don't think that that's what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I think that. They're just trying to get their Facebook users to create more content on the platform. And it just it's one of those factors of making the platform more sticky. It's just another thing for people to do if you if you're gonna create content. I think Facebook would be okay if people are recorded into a digital audio recorder the same time that they're streaming live on, on Facebook and made it a podcast. Maybe I don't think they would care. I don't no. know why they would even even say anything about that. Um so so anyway, I think it's it's a good good development, and live is going to be a factor in 2017. And but we shall see, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, live is live is arrived. I would say that for sure. But it's such a you know it it feels like one of those add on things. Like I wouldn't get into live if you're just barely doing you know on demand content or something. You know, live is tough, and you're not going to get typically huge audiences from it. It does feel like bonus yeah. content almost yeah i mean i think you do have to be really disciplined about it you can't really do do live casually and i think that may be where facebook is missing it a little bit now granted you could say that about the video too right right um that typically the video quality isn't really that that great of the quality of content but what you're really tapping into is it's almost like a reality radio mm -hmm. or reality video. It's not really about the quality of the content. It's the fact that it's real and that it's happening now. If you happen to be a compelling content creator that you, you can do stuff on, on the fly and you communicate well and you're, you have a certain level and the ability to connect to an audience and keep them focused and paying attention that you're going to build an audience. Um, hey, I think here's what, here's what maybe they're, they're doing because Facebook is social. And as I mentioned, I don't think people go, they don't turn, turn on quote unquote, turn on Facebook to listen to audio or necessarily even tune into long form video, yeah. like uh, like a program, you know, blab, when they wrote their sort of goodbye letter, he, the CEO was talking about the success he saw on the platform was people just hanging out, right? Mm -hmm. That people just tune in. And it's almost like the days when you just hang out on chat, I am, except people are doing an audio. So maybe because Facebook is a social platform, maybe that's the play. Maybe it's people just want to 
chat with their friends live. I mean, that might be that might be it. It might not actually be for broadcasters and you know podcasters, content creators at all. It could be almost like another form of uh, live chat, right? Yeah, so, so. I, I think it's just I'm thinking it's an iteration on live chat. It's you can actually sit there and talk to your friends. I don't know. I mean, it seems more yeah, blab. That's where they saw how people were using it, and well, according yeah. to them, and you know. That seems like it would fit better with Facebook. So maybe they see some kind of indicator that people want to do that. I don't know. I mean, if you back up and you think about it from a family perspective, I know a lot of um, Facebook users really focus on communicating with family. Maybe this is like a way that people can stream live weddings to a broader family that people can't go to, the event, or Mm – Exactly. Maybe it's uh, you know a birth of a child, or it could be a birthday party. It could be, and that's shared amongst your your family on Facebook Live. So yeah. it could be a very personal thing too. It doesn't. I mean, a lot of people have um, pretty locked down Facebook accounts, and I would imagine this capability will be available to just that friends list, right, or that right. family's list. So that could be another use here that we haven't thought about too. I think we tend to to look at live audio from a podcaster perspective because we're podcasters. Yeah. Um, But maybe that's, maybe what we've just said here is the real goal that Facebook has. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. I I would tend to use it more probably for personal family communications. I mean, if I were to use the Facebook live stuff, I mean, I can use a platform like Spreaker to do a much better live audio show and podcast than I can Mm -hmm. use in Facebook. Yeah. I can tell you as a, as a longtime content creator, I'm, I actually don't plan on using it. <laughs> but I don't yeah. do a lot of live audio only. I mean, that's the, that's the key. And yeah. I, don't know how many, I don't know how many podcasters really do. I do the new media show with Todd Cochran, and we use the, the Facebook live video. Right. Which Video uh, is the way. I mean, if you're live, yeah. it's usually video. Yeah. And that's, that's just the way it's going to be. And I can see a lot more people doing, doing the video side on Facebook. So, like you said, it could be a... A service that's DOA in a year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think Facebook has the ability; they have the resources just to keep it alive. I just, I'm skeptical how successful it will be. Yeah, exactly. So, this show can be heard in the Spreaker Live Show apps for Android and iOS. So you can get those right now. Those are custom apps that are created by Spreaker, and you can get that get apps like that for your show if you happen to be a show host on on Spreaker. Uh, Spreaker also has its own um, podcast radio listening apps on Android and iOS that contains all of the the podcasts that are on the Spreaker platform, as well as um, thousands of shows that are externally hosted as well. So it's not just Spreaker shows that are in the Spreaker listening app, so you can get all the shows. The show can also be heard in iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Please leave us a review in any of those platforms, you can certainly reach me, Rob, at Spreaker.com. And I have a Twitter account at Rob Greenlee. And Spreaker has a Twitter account as well, and that's at Spreaker, Spreaker.com. If you want to check out doing something, creating your own podcast or your own live radio show. Well, Ray, let's jump into the, the last big topic of the show that, this week, and we can let everybody move on to their New Year celebrations. But it is debunking some, some microphone myths that are out there. There's a lot of kind of conflicting information out there about microphones, and there's a lot of terminology, as you are well aware, that can be confusing to people. What's your kind of broad perspective, Ray, on microphones in general? Is it confusing, you think, for most people as they kind of dive into this to decide what kind of microphone that they want to use in their show? I think it can be. I mean, when I went out and got my first quote-unquote real microphone, it was a condenser microphone, and, you know, it needed some type of audio interface. And I never really used a microphone like that before. So the learning curve was steep, but a lot of people, you know, where do you get the information from and where do you, how do you know which is correct? So there's a ton of microphones and that also means there's a ton of information. So a lot of people end up with, uh, you know, if you go to like YouTube, it'll be the Yeti uh, from, from Blue. And that's also a condenser microphone and it will work, but it has very unique characteristics that you really have to know how to use it in order for it yeah. to sound good. So for me, you know, the the beauty is, I mean, we often as podcasters talk about dynamic microphones because they tend to reject sound better. That's those, those are kind of the two things, uh, you know, what's your budget and what's your recording environment? Those are the two things I'm going to ask when you are recording a show 
and you know the you can get a cheap microphone and you can get something more expensive. There are options for everybody. It's the good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And if you look at the, the the choice between condenser microphones and dynamic microphones, really the the big difference between those two things is, from my experience, my personal experience is just the sensitivities of them. You know, and what is your recording environment that you're using? Condenser microphones can sound great. Dynamic microphones can sound just as good, depending on what you get. But the condenser ones are a little bit more sensitive to um, ambient background sounds. There's a lot of cheap condenser microphones out there. There's not as many dynamic microphones out there that are small. And I mean, it seems like, Ray, and, and you'll probably confirm this too, is that it seems like a lot of the smaller microphones that are out there, the lavaliers and the, the smaller handhelds are usually condensers. I'm always a little puzzled by that. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about lavaliers, I mean, I'm not an expert in microphones. There's some tech that has something to do with wireless, and I believe condensers work better. I don't know. I mean, they have yeah. condensers. I mean, they have labs that are – they have different polar patterns on them. And I think yeah. that is – I think polar patterns are a huge aspect of condenser versus dynamic, right? Con- condensers, yeah. true, they are more sensitive. But in theory, you could just turn them down more or – you know, work with the sensitivity. Uh, but I think it's the polar pattern where you get a dynamic that's got the cardioid, which is a tighter pattern and doesn't pick up from the back or the sides mostly, whereas condenser tends to be open to the whole room. So beyond the sensitivity. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You have this polar pattern that's sort of hearing the whole room, right? So I think, you know, and that's one of the, um, you know, because we always do talk about it in podcasting, the the dynamic versus a condenser because the condenser is so sensitive and it picks up a pin drop across the floor. And I'm curious how much of that is a myth. I've read some stuff too that they just maybe you're just not using it right. But I think it's the polar pattern uh, in combination with just the sensitivity that makes it so different. The dynamic mics like the Shure SM58 because this is an article coming out of Shure. Yeah, it's just if you, unless you are right in front of it and on top of the microphone, it essentially doesn't pick it up. Well, it's also a factor of how big the actual diaphragm of the of the microphone is as well. Um, I mean, because I've had some studio grade mics in my in like a bedroom that I had that I used to record my old radio show in, and yeah. I had to put um, sound buffering on the walls in there because it would pick up a pin drop from across the the room. I mean, it, it was just that sensitive. But those microphones had huge, you know, like a pickup drum yeah. inside of them. Now, when you're looking at a small condenser microphone, like a portable condenser mic, I don't believe that those are quite as sensitive, but they do tend, my experience is that they do tend to pick up higher frequency sound than the dynamics. And I'm not quite sure why that is, if it's just the size of the diaphragm or not. But um, but I think that's that's a factor, too, that I've I've kind of experienced going back and forth because I used to do my podcast, like, like I said, only on condenser microphones because I always was shooting for the highest quality sound that I could get. And then I subsequently learned as I got more involved in trying to record in different kind of 
I'm, you know, recording environments is that dynamics always sounded better because they had much better rear rejection. And uh, like you said, they had a really tighter uh, sound pickup, um, you know, around the mic. So on a, on a dynamic mic, you have to really get up on the mic. You have to get really close to it. On a condenser, you want to kind of back off a little bit. You want to have like maybe two or three inches away from the actual microphone on a condenser. Or on a dynamic, you probably want to be maybe an inch and a half to two inches away. Yeah, and I think I think that might come into it as well. I mean, generally, if you're a podcaster, you probably just shoot for a dynamic. If you're doing professional voiceover work, you're going to treat your room or your, your closet or wherever you are yeah, and use a condenser right? <laughs> yeah, to get that boomy sound. But, you know, getting up really close to the microphone, while that is also has potential issues when you talk about proximity effect, but yeah. I think that it also helps in the case of the average podcaster who's in a spare bedroom or living room, wherever they're, you know, podcasting from, you're going to be able to take out some of that reverb if you can get closer to the microphone. I mean, right now I'm on a dynamic, I'm super close to the microphone. I'm in a horrible, ironically, it's my studio, but it's a horrible space because it's brand new and has no treatment and it's the worst reverb I've ever recorded in. But being really close, I can deal with a lot of that. Yeah. So the first myth is that condenser microphones are always better than dynamic microphones. I would say that that's, that's false. I think it just depends on what you're using them for. Microphones in general now are made pretty tough. I mean, they can, they can handle a lot of abuse. Um, and there's also a, a thought that condenser microphones are much more sensitive to getting damaged or, or broken. And that's not necessarily the case as much anymore. The other myth out there is, is a, a microphone that's louder and more sensitive, uh, is that better? So when we say louder, it means is the microphone capable of of taking in louder sounds um does it pick up your voice so so as i'm talking to a microphone right now um, how sensitive is that microphone to my my voice is louder better generally i would say that's false right yeah this one's a little weird because i it's louder and sensitive so i think i think their main point is sensitivity right like so on a condenser like you're saying you back off of it because it's so sensitive whereas a dynamic you can get right up on it and it's probably going to be less, you know, for podcasters, it's going to be less sensitive to things like plosives. You know, you might be able to use a dynamic dynamic mic that's less um, less susceptible to really, really all the audio issues. But, you know, proximity effect, all those things, right? Where if you get up on top of a condenser, you're going to you're going to get the proximity effect where it's going to sound like you're talking through like a pillow and it's going to have a lot of plosives. And then you have those other issues when you have to back off. So, yeah, sensitive, you know, I, that's just probably more of a of a uh, recording music or, you know, like a singer type yeah. uh, myth than, than it is maybe a podcasting one. Because actually in podcasting, we, you do want a mic. So the mic you're on, the SM7B, um, is not sensitive at all. And the result of this for the average podcaster is that they have to crank up probably a cheap yeah. preamp. And they can't handle it. And so what they get is noise hiss, that dreaded hiss in their audio. So, you know, some amount of sensitivity, you know, dynamic mics are not sensitive in their nature. They're they're not powered the way a condenser is. So, but you still need it to be sensitive enough that it works with your preamp or you need to really up your preamp to make it work. So this one is a little, little of a tricky, tricky myth. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's a, a case by microphone. I mean, it, each microphone is going to have a different behavior. It's like, just like you said, the SM7B is known for being a microphone that you really kind of have to overpower um, to, and not power it per se with phantom power, but to just overpower it with a preamp that will up the volume of it. Um, or or you have to really speak up when you talk into the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> That's the other it's, thing, it's, too. It's a gain hog. I mean, it's that simple, but... Yeah, but it's got good quality sound too. So you have right. that 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 same kind of dynamic of a a condenser type of quality, and that's why a lot of our broadcast radio stations use the SM7B from Shure is the fact that it has really great audio quality, but it's also you have to speak into it. And a lot of radio personalities um, have booming voices. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, and that's yeah. I like I want one myself because what i like i think it makes a great guest microphone because i think 
you don't have to be you don't have to have much mic technique. It does a great job at letting someone get up on top of it and just speak into it. Because uh, if you have a guest who's not a regular on the microphone, you know, it's really hard for them to know how to talk into a microphone. So if you just tell them to stay on the microphone, I think the SM7B does a great job. But, you know, yeah. again, it does have that issue for, you know, in a, in a studio, they're made to handle all the things that are recording, right? The the room's not going to be uh, reverberant and, and yeah. their preamps, they have infinite amounts of gear. It's going to make them sound great. So you definitely need to know, again, go back to your questions of, of budget. Those are more expensive microphones. And of course, where are you recording? And then the next one here is, are, are USB microphones uh, better in sound quality or less of sound quality than XLR versions of those uh, those microphones? And uh, I, I guess the, the USB microphones can be just as good as the XLR these days, but that hasn't always been the case. Uh, but I would say over the last few years that the the USB mics have definitely caught up to the XLR versions. Yeah, I mean, I use a USB mic all the time, and people probably think, oh, well, you have the most expensive microphone on the best gear. And sometimes if you just want to interface Skype or Google Hangouts very easily, you want to plug in USB direct to your computer, you know, the ATR2100 or the AT2005, basically yep. the same microphones, the quality of that is... I sometimes I just I like it better than my 300 and something dollar high LPR 40. I mean, it's just it just really is that good. Now, is it as durable? No, you have USB and that's, you know, you got digital and you got electronics in there. And I have seen the USB go out on them. But the good thing about the ATR 2100 is has, you know, Audio Technica stepped up with a lifetime warranty and I have seen them replace it. So, oh. you know, whereas the analog microphone or, you know, the professional microphone more reliable you, know, you can plug it in and know you're ready to go but on the road or simple setup or new podcaster you know the beauty of the atr 2100 is it's usb and xlr so when you grow into that mixer it goes with you it doesn't become a paperweight so when it comes to quality that was the first microphone where I, and it's a dynamic uh and it's also less than a hundred dollars much less uh i always surprised by the quality of that microphone so to me some manufacturers have really caught up and some microphones um, have more reach. You know, it's an interesting concept um, to talk about a microphone um, in the context of reach. Um, and and what this really is is the microphone's ability to capture audio from a distance. Um, and if that's important to you, I mean, I think if you think about um, a person that's not very experienced in using a microphone – a condenser microphone can really be a, a good choice, too, because um, I, I've produced a lot of podcasts uh, and worked with a lot of different people on, on, on the mic. I see a lot, of, a lot of people will be used to moving a lot when they're talking on a microphone and going in and out on the microphone. Like they'll, they'll sit back or they'll come in close or they'll, they'll back up and they'll be constantly going in and out on the microphone. And you can't do that um, on a dynamic, um, else you're going to lose a lot of volume. But on a condenser, you can actually get away with that. Right. And that's where it comes back to that polar pattern, right, where it's omnidirectional yeah. picking up from all sides. It doesn't matter where you approach the mic from. And it allows for people who aren't used to being on microphone to get off microphone. And, and lav yeah. mics can be great for that. But, again, they're more open, so they are going to sound different and and they're going to be open to more noise. And not only that, they're going to be open to – if you have multiple multiple people in the studio, um, it's harder to prevent that sort of leakage of audio from one person's voice into the other person's microphone. So, yeah, it is interesting. And, again, it does, it does matter who you're recording or how you're recording. All those things do matter when, yeah. it, when it comes to microphones. Yeah, and if you're out there looking at all, all these different kinds of uh, – condenser mics there's other terms out there that can be really confusing and you know, like omnidirectional hypercardioid um and i don't know what the omnidirectional mic it basically is an off-access sound that is picked up about one foot away from the sound source but the hypercardioid microphone can be used up to two feet away from the sound source so you can kind of see and both of those are typically condenser microphones i don't know pickup patterns is the way to to say that 
Um, but it kind of plays into that. You know what? What I was talking about—the hypercardioid is good for for people that can't seem to stay still on their microphone. They're always moving around, and it has a wide pickup area around it. The the big one for me when I when I see this, I think more. I, I switch into my video mode and my audio for video. Where when people talk about reach, a lot of times they think shotgun microphones allow you to point it at something across the room and, and grab the sound from far away yeah. when that's not true. It's not really how it works. It's that focused pickup pattern. Uh, it's yeah. more directional. So it's rejecting more sound that you don't want by pointing it at the stuff you do want. You're more likely to get that sound, but they definitely, you know, you can't, they, they have different lengths. You see shotgun microphones, they all have different lengths and it makes you think, Ooh, I get the longer one and I can yeah. pick up someone talking across the room and it, it, that's what they're saying here. It just really doesn't work that way. But um, so polar yeah, pattern so plays what, a what what type of microphone do, does a you know a boom mic like that uh, use? Is it a condenser type of a microphone? Is it a hypercardioid type of microphone? Yeah, I mean like like a typical you see like on TV or, or movies. I believe I have one. It's a AT forty fifty three B. It's a hypercardioid condenser okay. microphone. But then you've got shotgun microphones, which are typically condenser but they are like you said they're hypercardioid or there's some really tight super cardioid there's yeah i can't even keep it straight myself half the time they're just really <laughs> tight polar patterns um and so they also have these you know you'll see the long tube and they all of that is a rejection tube and the way the sound enters and bounces around it's canceling out noise in theory canceling out that, that you don't want per se you know you want what's right in front of the microphone you don't want what's coming in from the side and and that tube helps you do that but they're typically condenser microphones because they can pick up from greater distances. So that would be the the use for that. Yeah, totally get it. Well, I think we've covered that. I think we beat that one up pr pretty good, Ray. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are. I have friends that that could go on from about microphones forever, and I always default to them because they know I'm, that's beyond my pay grade. So I always default. So microphones and gear. When it comes to podcasting, we can always nerd out for hours on that stuff. Oh yeah, well, there's always always a new one coming out too. That's always trying to that's right kind of combine those together. I know that there's some mobile miniature microphones now that are trying to combine all these capabilities and control it uh, via software. Mm -hmm. I know that Sure has this uh, this mic that you can control the pickup pattern that uh, you can get for like an iPhone. Uh, so the actual app will actually control the pickup pattern of the microphone. Yeah. And I, I think the key with all of it is when it comes to audio, the closer you get the microphone to the source of the audio, your voice, the better your audio is going to be. It really breaks down to being that simple. You have to, again, be careful of the issues created with different types of microphone when you get close to yeah. them. But that's what all this is about. If you're going to plug a microphone into your iPhone, it's to get the microphone closer to the person who's talking. That, that's what's going to give you better audio. Sure, sure. Well, Ray, last week's uh, show, Speaker Live Show 94, we talked about some topics and we got some listener comments and feedback on those uh, th those topics we talked about last week. And mainly what we talked about is on the whole advertising side, Speaker is deploying some some monetization tools. And so we got a, a note from Linda Irwin giving us some feedback. I would prefer not to manage cue sheets. And she's talking about being able to, uh, you know, read some advertising in her podcast. Mm -hmm. And she would prefer to have listeners um, donate via a, a tip, you know, kind of a donation model. So, Ray, what's your thought on that? I know a lot of podcasters have to decide on this. Um, do I take advertising in my show or do I do a donation model? What's been your experience with that? I mean, I don't do a lot of monetizing the podcast. I do more monetization on YouTube, but I've always felt that monetization, it, you know, it all depends on what you're trying to get from it. It's you're trying to make a living from your show or you're just trying to mm -hmm. supplement the cost of hosting yeah. or something like that. You know, I'm a big fan yeah. of the, um, of the, of the audience supported model. I really like that because uh, it does allow you to sort of take ads out. Um, you do have to also promote that in order to get people to pitch in. But I often say that if you're trying to make a significant amount enough to you know, do more than pay for your hosting, it's a totality of things you're going to do around your podcast, right? It might be advertising a donation model and affiliate links and stuff like that. So 
you know, it often feels like you need to bunch several things in order to and to make what I would say is significant income. Now, from a producer standpoint or listener, I mean, yeah, if I could just be listener supported, that that's fantastic. But I think that having the options for different things, because you know, yeah. everyone it works differently for everybody in their own show. So, and I wouldn't want you know with these cue sheets. I'm not quite sure. It sounds like just something that someone's written for you. Yeah, it's a host read kind of a kind of like yeah. an outline. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely would not want that the most. You know, the host read sort of experience with the product and they talk about from their perspective would be my chosen way. But again, it works different for every show. Well, Linda, thank you for the the comment and the feedback. Uh, we got another uh, comment from Dave Canyon, who also um, wrote us again. I think he wrote us last week as well, and he's talking about premium paid podcasts. So he writes, hey, Rob, great solo show last week. Thanks for the info and the mention. I must say it'll be a cold day in hell before I pay for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, you know, there's a lot of podcast listeners that would agree with that, um, that there's just so much content out there that why would you need to pay for a podcast? Ray, what's your thoughts on that? Obviously, the preferred model is to make it free. If you want to, if you want to make some extra content that people pay for, that's a model we see a lot with, like a Patreon model. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm all for that. And you know, on some level, if the content creator is trying to give you the content that you love but can't afford to do it, you know, I, again. <laughs> We're not used to paying for podcasts. It, it's always been free. Yeah. So that's often a tough ask for somebody to make. And your audience is going to be much less if you're only a paid podcast. I mean, we have premium options. Uh, I think Howl from uh, Midroll, they do some premium yeah. stuff. I've never paid for any of that. But I definitely support people on Patreon. And if they put extra stuff into the feed, that's extra content, bonus content, that I'm sort of paying for that, but I'm also paying just to support them. So I think there's a blend there. Obviously, my default is to, of course, make something for free. I mean, they, they don't, why are they going to pay you if they don't know yeah. what they're going to get? So, yeah, would I pay for a podcast? Probably not. I'm more likely to pay for Patreon and support the creator. And sure. if that comes with extra content, that's cool. Well, I'm not going to read the the whole email that he sent me, um, but it's it's basically safe to say that he's – He's basing his thoughts on, uh, you know, later in his comments based on the quality of content. He refers to Howard Stern and how much content that Howard Stern makes. Um, and I guess he said that he was was willing to pay for Howard Stern. Um, but but he also says that he doesn't see himself paying for like a Mark Maron or a, or a, or a Speaker Live show or anything like that. But he says he also subscribes to over 30 podcasts of all types and but but feels like that they're not really compelling enough for him to pay for. But he would be considering paying a nominal fee for a podcast network of shows that he he likes, which I thought was really really interesting. Uh, Ray, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean at that point he just feels like he's getting more for his money. I mean I think if the content is is that good, you know he says he doesn't have enough, not compelling enough. But I think if it was compelling enough, you probably would pay. If it was going to go away, um, you know, I mean, the thing is that Mark Maron, plenty of people do pay him. So it does work in his case. But we're talking it works on a level of massive audience. Right. Does yeah. this work for the average podcaster who has 30 or 100 or 500 listeners? It's it's much tougher. Yeah. Um, and you may be, you know, you might want to if this is something you're considering doing, I would build it first. And again, it's hard to start free and then ask for money. I almost feel like you're then going to have to give additional content or maybe you do become yeah. part of a network, right? I can kind of see where Dave is going with, with this. I mean, f- from the standpoint of a podcast network, it's almost like an HBO model, right? Where right. you basically are subscribing to a network of shows that you you trust and you value that content coming out of that, that particular network and you're going to get a selection of shows, not just one show. It's an interesting idea that podcast networks could be where where the premium subscription models happen. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily happened up to this point. I know Podcast One is kind of playing around with a network kind of premium model. Um, so that that could be interesting as you look 
you know, into the future. And um, so we also got an email from Joseph uh, Rupp, and he wrote us on live streaming to external destinations. So he, so he was asking about um, wanting to stream his show live to his website, to Spreaker, and to a external platform like TuneIn, and and being able to actually do that through one stream. And is that possible? My answer to him was is that um, currently today Spreaker does not support streaming live to external third-party platforms. So we only stream live to the Spreaker apps, the Spreaker website, and to you know, an embeddable web player that you can put on your your website. So, I mean, is it is it it's an interesting idea to potentially stream live um, via Spreaker over to like a TuneIn or to to an iTunes or something like that. And I've I've actually thought about that a lot about trying trying to enable those type of type of deals and relationships for Spreaker. So, and maybe I'll look into that a little bit, Joseph, to see if it makes sense for us to make make the content that's live streaming off of off of Spreaker available on other platforms because we do use um shoutcast servers which are capable of being being shot out those streams are capable of being shot out to another shoutcast server that can then be redistributed so the technology is there to actually do what you're talking about here but it's not something that we currently support Wraith thank you so much for joining me on the Spreaker live show and doing it, uh, I think we've gone long enough. We've gone over fifty minutes. I'm always, again, flattered to be asked, and uh, of course, we can chat about this. We can go another fifty minutes, no problem. But yes, we. When, here's the thing about live: at some point, you you've asked them to show up. You do need to let them go. <laughs> yes, you do. A little different than a podcast. They have lives that they need to live on their own. So I know. I always feel enjoy your your new year. Thank you so much for following the Speaker Live show this past year in 2016. And definitely look forward to having you coming back and checking out the show next year. So thank you so much. We'll see you back next Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Speaker Live show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 